can be really difficult for empaths to understand how narcissists do what they do. It's difficult for us to comprehend or even really accept the idea that someone could be so cold and cruel when we've spent our entire lives trying to make other people comfortable and trying to make other people feel okay about themselves. And yet for someone to directly contradict that is it's confusing. It doesn't make sense to us that they could so easily lie about us or ignore us or pretend we don't exist or insult us to our own faces and behind our backs. It doesn't make sense to us how easily they will just conspire with people against us and tell us to our faces that they've got our back. We end up defending ourselves against a manipulative liar and it only harms us in the end. Thanks to the unprovoked trauma that they subject us to, we end up with all kinds of after effects. If you've ever been in a relationship with a narcissist, then you know how it feels to feel jealous. You know how it feels to have that person throw stuff in your face and make you feel nervous, threatened, upset, whatever. This is especially true in romantic relationships. And in some cases, of course, the narcissist behaves in a jealous way. If you've experienced the narcissist being jealous in your relationship or the narcissist accusing you of cheating or wanting to cheat, this videos for you. Today, queenbeing.com, we're going to talk about a brand new study that was done regarding narcissism, the types of narcissism involved, and how they reacted to jealousy and what it all means, how it's all connected. Narcissists have this way of making us feel like we're not good enough. And very often they compare us to other people directly or otherwise. And in many cases, the narcissist will even say things to us or show us behaviors that lend us to think that we are not as good as other people that they may or may not be attracted to. Sometimes it's just a matter of they feel attracted to someone and they tell you even when they shouldn't. Other times it's a matter of they tell you, look at that sexy whatever on that person. There's always something and you will start to learn things about them. Like you'll notice maybe you're a brunette and they only like blondes or maybe you're a redhead and they only like brunettes. They seem like they decide that they're into whatever you aren't and then they kind of dig on you on that. And it goes even deeper than that. So you hear all the time about how men and women are different. You hear people say girls are meaner than boys. Women are meaner than men. Dudes will just kind of, you know, punch each other and move on. Or dudes will just have an issue. They'll talk about it. They'll move on. It'll be over. There's no drama. I don't think that's entirely true, but there is something to be said for the fact that women do tend to be a little more cruel to one another in certain circumstances. And if we're being honest, there are more women who tend to verbalize at least distaste or displeasure with other women. And just to continue with the whole honesty thing, women are jealous of each other or threatened by each other for weird reasons. Now, I don't want to make this a male-female thing here, but it's important to note this because part of this is evolutionary, right? But part of it is directly as a result of being abused emotionally by a narcissist. Most women can tell you that they've survived at least one mean girl or mean woman situation in their lifetime. You know, the girls who would dismiss them, socially torment them, put them down, abuse them in some way. So what does the social research say on this? What does psychology say about this? Well, obviously the research is a little bit complex because the fact is that it's almost impossible to really get a feel and measure, accurately measure a critical, harsh, negative attitude, considering the fact that most people want to see themselves as good people, good, upstanding. And if they stay focused on what 
they like about themselves or what the good things are. There's a self-serving kind of bias toward that. But in recent years, there has been a little increase in attention when it comes to this research, thanks to people like Tina Fey and the Mean Girls movie. A 2013 study found that women who were in college tended to not want to be friends with women who were seen as promiscuous, while men didn't have that same issue with other men. And the study also showed that women were very aware of women who were considered promiscuous and negatively judged them as a result of it. What does this have to do with being jealous? Stick with me, we'll get to it. Then there was a 2011 study that found that women would be more sensitive to social exclusion than men, typically, according to this study. Of course, if you've ever experienced a mean girl, you know this is no big surprise, and that's kind of why mean girls are so successful, because not only do they humiliate you and make you feel horrible about yourself, but they kind of socially exclude you because they they can literally make it so that anyone who does want to be your friend is tortured as well. And that causes so much social pressure and drama in the life of a young woman. Sadly, the same thing is seen in adult women in certain groups, such as PTAs or country clubs, things like that. You'll find one woman who becomes kind of the leader and other women follow. And when one that leader decides to exclude some new person or a person who's done something that the leader doesn't like, very often the rest of the women in the group are required to do so as well. And that seems very juvenile, but it's very true. And the same thing happens in offices. I can think back right now to one of my office jobs that I had over the years where it was a, a department entirely filled with women. And there were definitely the groups, just like in high school, the popular group, the nerdy group, the one nobody wanted to be with. And then there were the individual people who no one seemed to want to be around or who didn't want to be around other people. Okay, so this study was published in the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships. And its authors were Gregory Tortiello and... William Hart. Now you may remember those names, Tortiello and Hart, because I've talked about them before in some other research studies they've done. So these two guys developed a study that would basically sort of help them simulate different issues that happen in toxic relationships, specifically infidelity scenarios. And then they looked at the study participants to see how they responded in different types of scenarios. So they were focusing on three primary types of jealousy, which include cognitive jealousy, which is really all about imagined or real acts of infidelity in the relationship, then emotional jealousy, which is like envy, fear, anger, things like that, and also behavioral jealousy, which basically is things like acting out against your partner because of your jealousy or surveilling them, watching, going through their phone, acting aggressively toward them or their perceived competitors, revenge type behaviors, and even in some cases, changing the way you look. Now, the authors went on and talked about six different types of jealousy related motivations, which can be stirred up when certain things are happening in the relationship. So you might be looking for ways to protect your self-esteem, ways to reduce the uncertainty, the anxiety related to that, ways to understand the future of the relationship a little better and maybe kind of set it in stone ways to evaluate the relationship or reevaluate the relationship, ways to make sure that the rival isn't a rival or the competitor isn't the competitor. And then of course, it's kind of helping to restore the balance in the relationship. For example, if you think that your person cheated, then you would go and cheat on them as well. And the authors say that these things are important because they are constantly, consistently recurring in unhealthy relationships, especially relationships that are in doubt, where the one person or the other is in doubt or both. They also know that there's a distinction 
distinction between the hot or the cold different types of reactions, hot being emotion-based, inflamed, upset, and cold, of course, being kind of distant and detached responses. And then the other issue being the different ways that people relate based on their own sex. Statistically speaking, men are usually more concerned about sexual infidelity, while women might be more concerned about emotional infidelity. In reality, I think we're all concerned about both of those things, if we're being honest. So just like in previous studies, the authors went ahead and tested all of their participants who were undergrad students, 269 of them. They had them take the NPI, the Narcissistic Personality Inventory. Now they told everybody they were in two different studies, so nobody was able to really discuss anything with the other people. And then they presented them with little stories about infidelity. Now each of them was presented four different stories, and each story either depicted emotional or physical sexual infidelity. Then the participants were asked to imagine themselves in that situation each time. Now this particular method has been used before and has been proven to be reliable. So the authors asked each person who was in the study how they would respond in that situation and why. They focused on four different ideas as to, you know, motivations as to what might guide them in each situation. Those different motivations included the desire to restore power in the relationship, control in the relationship. Another one was weakened feelings of security, feeling like they didn't feel secure in the relationship. They, they wanted ways to improve that. Another motivation was the effort to bolster their own self-esteem and then where they stood with their partner. Then they talked about the three different types of jealous reactions, of course, as we talked about before, the cognitive type, the emotional type, and the behavioral type. So one thing they discovered was that the cognitive type of jealousy and the emotional type of jealousy, which they're calling affective, were very strongly correlated. So using the term cognitive affective jealousy, they came up with this conclusion. For narcissists of the grandiose type, the ones who are just really out there, the extroverts, the ones that you can almost tell from across the room they're a narcissist those people they have a kind of cooler way of dealing with things those are kind of the cold reactions we talked about disconnected they don't have an emotional or cognitive reason they tend to have less emotional or obsessive responses to these types of behaviors with that being said the thinking and emotional type of jealousy and the behavior jealousy, they're unrelated for people who have grandiose narcissism. But those people have motives mostly related to power and control. And so they would use attacking behaviors to get things back into perspective or back to where they felt comfortable with them. And here's another interesting point they found with grandiose narcissists. The reason for the infidelity, it didn't matter with this group whether the infidelity was emotional or sexual. It was all the same type of response. Now, when we're talking about people who are more introverted, more vulnerable narcissist types, it's a whole other ball of wax. The more vulnerable narcissism a person showed, the more likely they were to have the cognitive affective reaction of jealousy they were more likely to experience those types of jealousy issues. Interestingly enough though, their reaction was much stronger to emotional infidelity as opposed to physical infidelity, which I thought was strange and surprising. And then on the other hand, those who were the vulnerable narcissists did not have an increased reaction to sexual infidelity of the emotional or cognitive type. But if they were a vulnerable narcissist, both the power and control motives and the self-esteem enhancement motives were in play. What? I know. In both cases, vulnerable and grandiose narcissists, there was an increase in attacking motives for power and control and restricting 
like the behavioral jealousy factor, again, about power and control. Whereas when there was the emotional infidelity, these people would both be motivated by power and control and security and self-esteem restoration, as well as efforts to reduce their own insecurity in the relationship and the status of the relationship. Back to the point, the men were more likely to be upset regardless of what type of narcissist by sexual infidelity. The women were more likely to be upset again, regardless of the type of narcissist by emotional infidelity. However, in both cases, they would be upset by either thing. With that being said, the only difference between men and women when it came to sexual infidelity was men would become angrier, women would be more hurt. But being male or female didn't seem to change how their type of narcissism would react to each thing. I thought that was interesting. So what does all of this mean? Well, it means that if you are with a grandiose narcissist or you have dealt with a grandiose narcissist, chances are that if they think that you will commit infidelity or you have committed infidelity, they're going to handle it in a much cooler way. Sure, they might be angry. Sure, they might be upset, but they are going to do something cold. For them, it's about being embarrassed, unflattered. And it's not as much about feeling like, oh my gosh, I've been betrayed. It's like, oh my gosh, everyone will know I've been betrayed. That's when they will retaliate. They will go against everything and, and sort of try to control you back into submission if they don't leave you. Interestingly enough, their self-esteem remains intact So when they're grandiose, so they don't have to, or their perceived self-esteem remains intact, so they don't feel the need to take those self-esteem enhancing actions to change anything. This type of self-esteem will also lead them to be blind to different issues in the relationship, like their problems in the relationship. So then they come back around and they end up causing more problems in the relationship because they will never see their own side of things, what they are doing wrong. Vulnerable narcissists are all about feeling secure in the relationship. So for them, it was a much bigger deal. Plus they're less likely to retaliate because they value the relationship more but this can lead them to being more hypersensitive, hypervigilant, stalking your phone, things like this. So the bottom line is, if you're dealing with a narcissist who is a jealous, if you know whether they're vulnerable or grandiose, then you can know whether their motivation for the jealousy is their own self-esteem issues or whether they're going to feel concerned about how other people perceive your relationship. Does that make sense? I thought this was a really interesting study. And then there's the research that was done by Nikki Crick, who actually does quite a bit of gender research. She investigates things like relational aggression, which is the type of aggression that women tend to engage in more regularly than men. So relational aggression is where the mean girl syndrome comes from. So in a study she did back in 1998, she found that that girls were more likely to be significantly more relationally victimized, while boys were more likely to be overtly victimized. So women are being abused as children by other children more openly than men. Little boys don't tend to have the same kinds of issues as little girls do because they are more open about what they're doing. Little girls will be sneaky about it, but also very open about it. So there's a lot of underhanded stuff happening with little girls. So as someone who's been raised by a narcissist and or who's spent years being together with a narcissist, a woman might have some problems with other women. Now let me talk to you about how that happens. So when we're talking about the mother situation, you might've watched your mother either be cheated on or do a lot of cheating. If your mother was your narcissist, she may have taught you that you need to control your person. She may have taught you by example that a woman controls 
controls her man or that a woman, you know, runs the house, for example. But she also may have taught you that she needs to watch her man very carefully. She may have taught you that part of being married is getting reports every five seconds on where your spouse is or controlling what your spouse does or where your spouse goes. And as you came up into life and realized that it didn't work that way all the time, you might have started to be confused. If your mother was cheated on in the past, she may have developed an attitude of extreme hypervigilance and as a result that could have transferred onto you. There's another way that this can happen though. So even if it didn't transfer onto you and you didn't feel that way about it, if you're in a relationship with a narcissist and the narcissist is always comparing you to other people, is always making you feel less than even subtly but very often very blatantly by being nice and friendly to other women and not to you for example. Say you're at a party, you and your narcissist just had a huge fight and then you look across the room and you notice that your narcissist is laughing and talking to another woman. If she's even remotely a attractive and close to his age or her age, but let's just for this example use him and her, you're going to find that you're feeling threatened and upset by this and you don't even know exactly why. It might not bother you as much if your narcissist wasn't so mean to you, wasn't so hateful to you, didn't frown every time they saw you or didn't complain about you to you every time you're around each other in the same room. This of course can lead to anxiety which causes you to try to figure out a way to deal with it. Your initial thought to deal with it might be to say to your spouse or, or loved one, hey, I really don't like it when you do this, especially when we've been in an argument. The response you'll get will be something along the lines of, oh my God, you're so controlling or how I was just talking to a person. I wasn't trying to have sex with that person. I was just talking to them. And then slowly over time, they beat you down to the point that you stop saying anything where you do say something. It's only after you've tried to hold it in for three days. And then anytime you talk about it from there on out, you become the controlling person that they don't like every thought you have if you if they come home two hours late and you say hey why are you two hours late they'll go why you're so you're so controlling why are you so pushy and so it develops this sense in the relationship of you're a horrible jealous person and they're just an, an innocent victim in your insanity it's a form of gaslighting so anxiety is very common as a side effect of this so here's an example i, I knew someone who had trouble getting pregnant who had gone and spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on fertility treatments and this made her very upset and anxious and her narcissist husband decided to attack her on the regular for not being able to give birth in fact he decided that he was into pregnant women so this led this woman to feel threatened by every pregnant woman that walked down the street and even by women who had children. So what was her response? She tried to talk to the narcissist. The narcissist would do nothing. Then she decided, okay, well, I can't talk to the narcissist, so I'm just going to have to shove it all down and not think about it. Well, the horrible side effect that came from that was that every time she saw someone with children, she decided, or who was pregnant and who was not, you know, some a pregnant woman one time was eating tuna and the woman almost had a heart attack because she couldn't believe this woman was so selfish to eat tuna while she was pregnant. Little silly things like that. But the point is, she became so obsessed with criticizing other women and their parenting that she was not fun to be around anymore. And this was all a direct result of the fact that she was not able to share her feelings with her narcissist and that if she did try to share them, he would beat her down emotionally. Interestingly enough, and probably not shocking to you, women in general, according to every bit of research there is, are more concerned about their appearance than men as a whole, statistically speaking. Because women report so much more anxiety in the appearance department than men, and because of the fact that in most cases the media pressures us to look a certain way, whether it's thin or beautiful or both, let's be honest, young, all these things, women tend to feel threatened by women who they perceive as more attractive than them when it comes to their man or person that they're with, the man or woman that they're with. So a woman 
is going to be more likely to sort of close herself off to women she feels are more attractive than herself. But interestingly enough, on a side note, there was a 2012 study that found that women who had more support from their family of origin and who found more positive things to look at in the media were less likely to have a negative body image. The family support that counts and curating what your children are watching if you're trying to help your child avoid this. For yourself, it can be a similar deal, but when we are survivors of narcissistic abuse, very often we don't have a good supportive family, so we have to learn how to support ourselves. All of that being said, I'm about to blow your mind. So here's something that you probably don't know. It is not the fact that you are threatened by other women because they seem to be better or have more or their life is better or anything like that. It's none of that stuff, believe it or not. Even though you might look at a hot woman or an attractive woman and go, damn, I hate her. Right? It's normal. We all do a little bit, right? But <laughs> the reason that you feel bad is this. It is because you accept the idea that someone who looks a certain way or someone who acts a certain way or someone who is something that you are not deserves love and you don't. You accept the idea that if someone is less attractive, they don't deserve love. And listen, that's bullshit. You may have even unconsciously accepted the idea that you don't deserve love and that you cannot experience love. All of these things lead to the fact that you are missing a very big important thing in your life when you're dealing with a narcissist and that is true unconditional love. Unfortunately, most adults will never receive true unconditional love from someone else, at least not anyone they're not connected to biologically. But when we're talking about our narcissists and our spouses and our partners, we cannot expect unconditional love even from them. In order to ever, ever, ever get over feeling threatened by people of the opposite sex, we must learn to love ourselves unconditionally, to approve of ourselves unconditionally, and we must learn not to compare ourselves to other people. This brings me to the question of the day. And the question of the day is, do you understand how it feels to feel threatened by people of the opposite sex and how it can kind of corrode your mind and take over your life? Have you dealt with a jealous narcissist before and how did it feel to you? How did you handle it? Share your thoughts, your ideas, and your experiences in the comments section below and let's talk about it. All right, that's all I've got for you right now. Thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. Now, before I go, make sure you take a look at the videos I'm leaving for you right here and right here. And while you're here, hit that subscribe button right there so we can stay connected and continue on this healing journey together. I'll see you soon.